1: The world-famous Superbook Sports has been at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk for nearly a year. What are you waiting for? You can get right in the heart of the action. Catch all the games on their state-of-the-art TVs in the comfort of this traditional sportsbook. I have been there. It is a fantastic place to watch a game. Superbook Sports is known for better odds, favorable pricing, and an extensive wagering menu focusing on your Colorado teams. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun fun. And for sports, have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Welcome to the Broncos Podcast with Troy Rank. I am Troy Rank from Denver 7. It's a late Thursday night. I got an early morning flight on Friday and I have a special guest today. Chopping it up with James Palmer of NFL Network had james on multiple times on the podcast i love getting him on every once in a while because he has a national perspective just came back from covering the super bowl he was 10 days there he has a local perspective uh, he spends a good chunk of time especially during training camp covering the broncos i joke with james that you know he lives here in colorado make it a lot easier for he and his wife and their the young son if he could cover the broncos more but they have trouble staying relevant uh, beyond uh, beyond itself uh, so. could this change Uh, This year? Uh, I think so. I think they're going to be competitive. Does that mean winning season? Does that mean playoff berth? I don't know that yet. I don't. Sean Payton feels different with him that he has a chance to get this team back into uh, relevancy. So. Folks, I joined James for a chat. We talked for almost a half hour and on a number of talk- topics, including, you know, the Sean Payton hire, his Super Bowl experience, Draymond Jones. We both believe that the Broncos are going to make Draymond a priority, try to get him signed. He's the only candidate for a franchise tag. That decision does not need to be made till March 7th. But as James talks about in the pod, you know, you do expect the Broncos to try to f- talk to Draymond Jones's agent at the Combine and see if they can find a common ground on a four-year deal. I've said four-year 60, four-year 54, somewhere between four-year 55, four-year 60. Um, I don't know if that's enough. I don't, because there's going to be a market for him. And James talks about that during our conversation and who they should prioritize in free agency. And will the relationship with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton work? So, Folks, I I hope you enjoy this. Uh, Again, spending time with James is always fun because he can provide both the national and local perspective. So when we come back after the break, I chop it up with my man, James Palmer. Listen, have you been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work? What are you waiting for? Give my friends at Hoggett Injury Law a call. Their motto, and I love this, with us, it's personal. I've known Darby Hoggett for over a decade. We watched our boys grow up playing travel baseball across the country. We talked a lot of baseball, but a lot of Broncos. Darby's the one that told me, you need to do a podcast. I'm so thankful he told me to do that. Uh, I became his good friend. Many of his clients become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. So again, you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give Darby's team a call at one 833 hoggett That's one 833 hogg Or visit the website at hoggettlaw.com. .com. This is Chris Fuseli, owner of the Blake Street Tavern. I know it's the Joker's town, and we just live in it. But I love to watch the dude hoop. If you do too, stop by the Blake Street Tavern, where the men alone, play with games on every night. It's the Blake Street Tavern, where Denver watches sports. Welcome back to the Broncos Podcast with Troy Rank. I'm your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. The pod is powered by my great friend, friends at Superbook Sports. Couldn't do it without them. Don't want you to wait any longer. Again, I had time to... Chat with my man James Palmer, chop it up on the Broncos on the national scene, on covering the Chiefs, all those things. So that wedding,
2: James, take it away. All right. We're joined by my friend James Palmer from NFL Network. Not only does he have the best hair, he has some of the best gigs. He just came from covering Super Bowl, uh, one of the best Super Bowls. Take me through that. James first, how are you? And what was that experience like? And what was the a memorable Super Bowl? Not my favorite ending. Uh with- <laughs> Uh, I was hoping for one more drive from the Eagles, but uh, what was that experience like?
3: Oh, it was an awesome week, Troy. I mean, I, I was there. Let's just recap this: n- ten nights, nine nights—I don't know—it all ran together, and then went back to Kansas City to host the parade. <laughs> so it's all running together. We're going on no sleep still. I think uh, Eric Bienmi was just on NFL Network with me the uh, earlier on on can I say today? I don't know in this air uh, on. Uh... <laughs> Oh, on thursday and he's on no sleep everybody with the chiefs is but great i mean it was a great great super bowl arizona knows what they're doing in terms of the city running it and and the way it went outside of the turf um which is ironic because i talked to brett veach on the sideline pregame, and he was like you know what i like i like that this turf is a lot better than when we played here week one and i was like really and he's like oh week one it was terrible it was is awful. That's where Harrison Bucker, their kicker, got injured and messed up his plant and his ankle and his plant leg. And it kind of bothered him the entire year. And before the game started, they were all kind of positive on the turf and ugh, was not the case. But a super entertaining game, two great quarterbacks. Um, I think they were the two best teams in the NFL. And I don't think that happens every year. And I think this this year they were the two best teams. So the two best teams going out in the Super Bowl is pretty awesome.
2: Well, watching it from afar, you know, it just to me, it just screams of the gap that remains between the Chiefs and the Broncos. But the Broncos get a guy now in Sean Payton who's been there. He's won that game. He's been 10 winning seasons, nine playoffs. So we'll go right to there because you're around the Broncos still a lot. Not as much as you would be if they'd ever win, James. We know that at yeah. the running job. <laughs> <me back. laughs> This is the year uh, James lives in Colorado, so it's always the joke that uh, he has to travel every, everywhere else to cover it yeah. because the Broncos can't stay relevant beyond a few weeks. But what yeah. do you think, what, what is the league impression as you widen, you widen the lens here, first your impression and then the, what you're hearing from league folks about the hiring of Sean Payton for the Broncos?
3: Well, I think, Troy, as you mentioned, the gap. And the gap is huge between the Chiefs and everybody else. And it's funny. Everybody thought that everybody in the AFC West narrowed the gap, and then it just it didn't happen. Um, and obviously the Raiders are almost in a quarterback rebuild situation. I think the Chargers are still in a decent spot, but they're still nowhere near the Chiefs. But I think Sean Payton narrows the gap because what do we continuously say that separates the Chiefs from everybody else? It's They're the best player on the planet. That's a given. And they have a Hall of Fame coach and Andy, Andy Reid. Well now you you are I would think in offensive minds you're much closer even though everybody thought the world of Nathaniel Hackett and his innovation and everything that creativity and all those things I think it is nothing out of the ordinary to say you're right up there with Sean Payton in terms of offensive minds with Andy Reid so if you're talking about narrowing the gap I think bringing in somebody like Sean it really does narrow the gap I got to see him on the sideline he was there with Greg Penner uh, at the Super Bowl I got a chance to talk to both of them and uh, Greg is beyond excited for what Sean brings. And I think from hearing everybody close to Sean and, and Sean specifically a little bit is is he really was kind of wowed by Greg Penner. And I don't know if he was expecting that uh, when the interview process started. And that was one of the selling points on him. And, and when we talk about the, the hiring, I think I'll be clear around the rest of the league, D'Amico Ryans and Frank Reich are considered the two best hires this offseason. In terms of a head coach, Uh, I don't know if there's a better fit than D'Amico Ryan's going back to the Texans and the young roster they have with bringing in a new franchise quarterback probably in the draft. But I do think this is sleepily a better fit than people think. I know you're short on draft capital. I know you have Russell Wilson's contract, but you also lost nine games by one score due to a lot of issues with details, game management, special teams all things that Sean Payton is brilliant at. If you ask anybody that's been in the building since Sean has arrived, they're telling you, and I've talked to a couple of them today, actually, just the attention to detail to make sure everything is perfect before it gets executed is, I don't want to say new to them, to not dog anybody else, but it's different. And, and I think you look at him bringing in Mike Westoff and what he's done as a special teams coordinator. Um, I mentioned some of the issues they've had. Troy, like you've been, you were at every game, like, couple of those things change under Sean Payton. How many wins do they have? And, and so I think there's a little bit quicker turnaround than some people think, and obviously we get into it, on how Sean does with with Russell Wilson and, and how that marriage kind of develops. But I think the little things that he can change and the issues that were already in this building, maybe they're closer than you think, but there are massive roster holes now, uh, specifically the offensive line that, that you got to fix. But those are some of his strengths, actually. Yeah, he
2: reminds me. He gives off Mike Shanahan vibes to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shanahan was a perfectionist, and he was very hard on his players, disciplinary, but mm-hmm. he also treated them well. You know, there mm-hmm. was, And Sean does that, where every year I was told in New Orleans he would do something for the players, whether it was new sound system for the locker room or the way they hung their jersey, whatever it was. So yeah. that, that is very – and he comes from the Bill Parcell trees, but it reminded me of Shanahan because he could come across very, very dictatorial. And he's very abrupt with the media at times. Some of the same traits I see in Peyton. I saw in coach Shanahan.
3: Yeah, there's, there's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I've had a coach that's worked with him before. Tell me um, he knows exactly when to push the right buttons. Like, and I don't know if that's something you can learn. It might be just a feel thing that some people have. Like he knows when to push. He knows when to, like you said, like he can be a player's coach like that, or he can be very firm at times. Like he knows when to pick his spots And I give a little shout out. You should listen to Mike Westoff talking to my buddy, Zach Gelb on on CBS sports radio recently. And Mike said, he's like, he he's the best teacher on the field. I've ever been around and and go look at Mike's resume and where he's been and the coaches he's been around. He's like, Sean is the best on the field teacher I've ever seen. And and I think the other part of this that we're all going to in the media at, at training camp in Denver, going to see I've covered that training camp in New Orleans a bunch. These are going to be some spirited practices. I mean, Sean encourages it. You're going to have DBs and receivers jawing at each other, face masks grabbed, like back and forth going at it. And and that's the environment he wants. And and to go back to the original part of it, Troy, it's like he picks his spots for those things to happen. It's not going to be every play of every single day of camp. But, man, it's going to be – there are going to be moments, and there's going to be a lot of them, that are far more competitive than what we saw this past year in training camp. Far more.
2: Yeah, Yeah, last year, training camp. I'm not sure it was just more of a a warm-up for something. It was almost like Coach Hackett thought he was inheriting uh, the Packers team instead (laughs) of the Broncos team he ended up with. One of the things, James, and we mentioned it, how will he mesh with Russell Wilson? And talking to people close to Russell, they say he's open to coaching. He's been humbled some, obviously, he's coming off the worst season of his career. Uh, They met up in the Super Bowl. How do you think that's going to play out? You know, again, you know Sean some. I I know Russell. I do think it has a chance. And that Sean Payton, as of all the guys that could have hired, he gives Russell Wilson the best chance to rebound this coming season. But how do you think it plays out? Because isn't Russell going to have to take this some hard coaching?
3: big time. And actually that's what he said to Sean when they had a conversation at the Super Bowl. He 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 approached Sean on his own, I was told, and said, "I want to be coached hard. Like I need to be coached hard." And I think that might be Troy a little bit to what you're saying. I I saw talk to him in the locker room after the game in Kansas City. He and they were close in that and played better, but they still didn't get a win, and he looked humbled in a sense. He almost looked like, "All right, what else do I need to do?" You know what I mean? And and he was looked like he was searching a little bit. And I think he's open to it because I think he is a winner. I would say that. I think there's a lot of things about Russ that some people say. I'm not going to go around saying I know him really well. I know him. that uh, We talk uh, when I see him at practice. But I, I think he wants to win, and I think he knows things didn't go right. I think there's a specific thing in this relationship that needs to happen, and I think it happened in Seattle, and we all just weren't paying attention. I, I think you – You need to limit him in some capacity. I don't think you let him go out there and let Russ cook. I I think Pete was onto something the entire time. It's play great defense, run the football, and have him have his spots. It's like Sean said the day he got introduced as the head coach. We're not going to put him on the high dive for the entire game. We're going to put him up there for a select number of plays, eight, ten plays up there. And the rest of it, we're going to hopefully use the allies that are his two best friends, which is a great defense in a, in a run game. And that's that's no new recipe, right? But I do think maybe in Seattle, they kind of knew this. And, and I think Russ and uh, the previous regime were very open to being, let's try some new things that Russ wants to do. I don't know if those were what was best for us. And that's not to critique his play. Obviously, every every quarterback wants to sit back there and dissect everything and play like Brady or Manning or or, or Breeze. But maybe you have to be realistic in what you do. And I think go back and look at some spots to where guys on this coaching staff has been. I, I mean, I bring up Westoff twice now. He was in New York with the Jets when they went to two championship games with Mark Sanchez. Like how they do that? They 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 found ways to do everything right around the quarterback. I'm not calling Russell Wilson, Park Sanchez by any stretch, but I think Sean would have more of an approach. Knowing people really close to him is put your quarterback in your system, doing the things that you know he can succeed at, as opposed to building your entire system around the quarterback. I know the latter sounds like the the right way. The first way for Russell Wilson actually might be the more appropriate uh, approach to have with it.
2: Yeah, I agree, James, because one of the things that failed Coach Hackett, I like Coach Hackett on a personal level. I still think the world
3: of him. I I, I definitely do. And as a football coach, I'll be honest.
2: Yeah, it's just his inability to say no to Russell when things got sideways and they kept trying to pretend he was Drew Brees. And Like Mm -hmm. you can't be a pocket passer when you've gone to your third and fourth string receivers, third and fourth string offensive linemen. This is not working. John Payton's not going to have any problem telling him no. No,
3: no, not at all. And that's that's the thing. Like, if you talk to guys that were on this coaching staff last year, they'll tell you, first, there were some ego problems on the offensive side of the coaching staff that were a big issue uh, in terms of how things operated. There was also no offensive identity because every week they were doing exactly what you said, Troy. They were changing things to accommodate Ross changing things to accommodate the issues that they were having. It just kept changing every week and everybody's going into that week going like, well, what are we now? Like, who what's are we going to change? Yeah. Who are we now? It's a great point. Who are we now? Like
2: I'd have players change. So, tell me after the first quarter of games, they were ditching everything they worked in practice that week. So by the yeah. second quarter, they're just like, we're running plays. We haven't even practiced or we practiced weeks ago. And I'm like, yeah, not a great idea. Especially again, when you're not playing with even starters.
3: <laughs> exactly. And I, and we will give that, I mean, 63 sacks is an astronomical number uh, for a team to give up. But I think every guy on the offensive line missed multiple games due to injury. I mean, you lose Garrett Bowles for essentially the entire season, more or less. Um, so there were those issues, but I do think Sean will go into games with a little bit different approach of like, no, if we stick with it, it's going to work. I think a little bit in terms of, um are we going to use the the option game, the read option game? Like, I think that still could work for us. I really do. I think they need to find ways, and I think this is a strength of Sean's too to get into one other aspect of it is he knows how to build an offensive line. That's That's been one of his strengths over the years and finding guys in the draft as well because we know they have limited draft capital. But even little things Sean's good at in terms of that hesitation on the D-line for a second to give you another split second to throw the football, you're going to need those little quirks within your scheme to give Russ a little bit of time. I, I think he already has from, I mean, I'm pretty good buddies with Peter Schrager. Uh, and he way worked together. I think he has some ideas. He's told Peter already, just, I have some plans already that I see I can, I can do with Russ. I think that's why we haven't heard him critique Russ publicly all that much. Cause I think he has some thoughts.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, I think he gives him at least a, a legitimate chance to rebound a couple more for you, James. I know you're a busy man. Free agency, right. the Broncos have 16, 17, unrestricted free agents. The two prominent ones, Draymond Jones, Ohio State guy, someone you know well, Dalton mm-hmm. Reisner. Draymond, for me, the franchise tag, that's a that's a heady number for an interior lineman. As much as you and I talk about how the game starts getting one inside, yeah. you know, you start talking about 18.7 million or 19.7 million on a franchise tag. What do you think happens with those two top free agents uh, starting with Draymond Jones and then Dalton Reisner with knowing that Draymond would be the only one as a candidate, even a candidate for the franchise tag?
3: Yeah, he is. And I think, Troy, they're not tossing around the franchise tag, in my opinion, because that's that becomes your your bottom number. Right. Immediately, that becomes 18 million a year. Like or what is it? It's almost like eighteen seven or something yeah. like that. Right. And like So like that's already your bottom number. I do know they're already talking extension in the building today. Um, so I know that that's, that's a plan to bring him back. I know the plan dated back to the Bradley Chubb trade. Like they knew they were deeper at the edge rusher position than they were on the interior. And they knew they this off season, they weren't going to be able to pay both Bradley Chubb and, and Draymond Jones. So they also were like, we can probably get more for Bradley on the open market. And they did get one back in return. And so – The point is part of the whole Bradley Chubb trade was we're going to do that and we're going to bring Draymond Jones back uh, this next offseason. So that was always the plan dating back to then because I do think he is a very underrated interior uh, player. I know that's a lot of money for an interior player. Uh, Maybe you can pay that if Baron Browning, another Ohio State guy, becomes a a very, very – we've seen flashes, right? So if he becomes a really good outside edge rusher – on a rookie deal of a what, third round pick, I think third um, round that, that can allow you to pay the interior guy, just maybe a little bit more. Um, I don't think they can afford to lose him. in all honesty. Um, I think he's probably the number one priority. And then with Dalton, I mean, your offensive line is in such flux. I mean, like who, I mean, <laughs> everybody appears to be a free agent. It almost seems like um, <laughs> outside of who, outside of Cushenberry and,
2: well I think Glasgow's um, Bol-
3: got another year.
2: Yeah, but Bulls and, in Jerry's back coming off major injury. Exactly. Um, I, mean, I think they're gonna have two to three new starters. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, between left guard center and right tackle. I'd be surprised if they're not at least two, if not three. Yeah. And Dalton, I-, I love we all love Dalton. I just at ten million a year, nine and a half a year, he's one of the top guys out there. He can command that with a straight face. But with they you've identified Sean's really good in the draft do you say, you know what, we can allocate that money better with a third-round pick with an interior lineman, and it's a pretty strong year, it looks like, for interior linemen
3: in the draft? Exactly, and I think you can command that. And I, and I don't think, I'm speaking entirely out of turn, I think you and I both think the world of Dalton. Um, I think when he got drafted, I think at this point right now, they thought he'd be playing better than he has. I don't think that's completely out of school. I think he's played well. I think when they drafted him, the expectations were really, really high that he was going to play great. Um, I think he's still a very good football player and I think he'd still command um something on the open market for sure. Um, I just think there maybe is a little bit more of a numbers game there than with Draymond.
2: Yeah. You know, and like you said with Draymond, if you let him go, what are your answers inside? Exactly. I mean, and again, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna sting. Maybe you can get him for 15, 16 million a year. It's not 18 and you spread it out. 'Cause everyone's like, Well just do the franchise tag. I'm like, I know, but if you don't have good faith negotiations and he plays on that, that kills your cap to have him playing at eighteen seven or nineteen seven. I mean, exactly. that's
3: a huge number. You and I'll be honest, as count. you mentioned, I, I, I've spent a lot of time away from the Broncos. Everybody in the league knows I live in Denver. The league thinks the world of Draymond Jones. I'll yeah, be honest. With you. Yeah, there are a lot of decision makers that have like seen me on a sideline and been like, Did Draymond wanna stay in Denver? Like <laughs> Just like kind of like curious because they think he is a he is so strong at holding the point attack and has pass rush moves on the inside at the same time. I mean, he is a really really good player.
2: Yeah, and that's in Broncos country. What's changed too over these last seven years? It used to be why wouldn't someone stay? So obvious. Take a little less stay. Whether it's Chris Harris or Derek Wolfe those days don't exist when a team's losing. I don't know mm-hmm. the fans totally understand. And I appreciate the passion of fans, but players, I mean, they look around. I never win. I am you know, I, I, I want to be in a, maybe a different environment, be more successful. And that's why Draymond, I thought, got kind of a bad rap when they, he was asking like November, do you want to be here? And he's like, well, I'm here now. But he's since when I've texted with him, he's like, I, I, he really do, does like the Peyton hire, respects the ownership group. But like you mm-hmm. said, if they let him test the open market, that number is always jarring. It's yep. always jarring to the team that lets the player test. In this yeah. case, because he will—he's going to have a market, don't you think?
3: Oh, big time, big time! And there's going to be—and I—I th- I, I was going to say this team, but this isn't where they're at anymore. There were always the Jaguars out there. Yeah, like, There are always those teams that are going to grossly overpay for guys. It's funny because, like, you go down there and talk to Trent Bulky now, he'll be like, we're much closer to the top of the cap than we've been in years past, and we're we not going to be overpaying for guys anymore. We just won the division, and nobody else in the division even knows who really their quarterback is. <laughs> they have a, a window right now that's opening with a lot of potential after losing to the Chiefs by seven, the game I was at in the divisional round, where, like, they had multiple turnovers, two, one inside the ten, and dropped touchdown passes, they could have beat the Chiefs in the divisional round, honestly. So my point is there are teams, it's not the Jaguars anymore, that are gonna have cap space that are gonna overpay. And it's gonna happen. I mean, how about how about Houston right now? Houston has over $37 million in cap space. They have the allure of D'Amico Ryans for Draymond Jones, which I don't even, I'm just saying that Draymond would be interested in playing for D'Amico. I, I'm just saying that because everybody is. And they were the worst rush defense. In football last year, 170 yards a game, they gave up, which is an I I astronomical them. number um, <laughs> to give up. You don't think they'd be like, hey, Draymond, why don't you come down here to Houston and fix some of these run issues? Because he's very good against the run, too, and being an interior pass rusher. We'll give you blank. We got money. Like, there's going to be those teams that are out there, and Houston's probably one of them. So he's going to, if he reaches the open market, the number is going to go up. Um, I hopefully, you know, he likes what Vance Joseph likes to do on the defensive side of the ball.
2: Right. And we'll finish it there. Uh, Vance Joseph returns. I like Vance. I've known him since 1990. I was at CU with him. I covered him as a player. Uh, He was a quarterback then, and then he ended up at the defensive back in the NFL. And in some ways, I believe he got set up to fail as a head coach here. And he had his own issues, but not hiring his own staff and a declining roster and two empty drafts.
3: Didn't have a whole lot of say in the draft either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: But, you know, he struggled in his record. He admits this. My record's my record. I got fired for a reason. What do you make of that hiring? And can I just I, – I, I like the idea he's still a coordinator. I thought it was going to be in Philly. But we know Broncos country, and you've lived it now. There's not going to be a lot of patience either. Is this a good fit? Can he – I think where it could be a good fit is with Sean Payton. With mm-hmm. this head coach, it feels like there's a chance for this to work.
3: Now I think I do think there's a chance it to work. and I texted with Vance this morning and he told me the two reasons he came. It was one because of the dominant roster on the defensive side of the ball, which I don't think anybody argues. they've been great the last several years despite the offense and the difficult spots they've been put in. And the second one was Troy, Sean Payton's a stud. like that was the second reason to work with with Sean Payton. Now, I think it works if you go look at what happened in Arizona the last couple of years, there's much more telling things to discuss than just what happened with his defense. His defense played pretty well in 21. Um, He was also given a lot of positionless players. If you remember, they had like a lot of athletes. Yeah. Yeah. a lot of athletes where you got to do a lot of coaching to figure out how to make them all work. Um, And I think he did a really good job there. I also thought he did a, from talking to people there, a really good job of holding things together in Arizona this past year, even though the defense didn't play well, there were very few people in that building that Kyler Murray talks to. VJ yeah. was one of them. Uh, there were times where VJ was essentially, I'm told, running practice, um, doing a lot of things beyond the defensive coordinator role, um, which is why people were kind of this hiring cycle when it started. Like, does he deserve another crack as a head coach? Like and I don't think that's out of turn to say that. I, I think down the road, he probably deserves maybe if things keep going in a, in a positive direction, another chance to be a head coach. I think he can work with this defense really well and he knows what his focus is going to be. Um, I know guys are excited to work with him. I know the guys that have been retained are excited to work with him. Um, and an interesting aspect of that though, like I reported it that you know Marcus Dixon and, and Christian Parker are both being retained by Vance Joseph. They're actually being retained by Sean Payton. Right, <laughs> they were. It was decided before the defensive coordinator hire that they were both going to be retained um, before they even decided on the DC, like a week and a half ago. So that's, I think, a telling thing of the way Sean thinks about those guys. But I know VJ thinks very highly of both of them as well. I just think <clears throat> there, there's going to be some juice to to how the defense plays, and I think VJ will get that out of them. But the problem is that you said with patience. They've played at a high level. They can't take a step back. That's right. the one thing that can't happen, and they can't take a step back. And I and I do think, personally, if I look at all the candidates, this is probably the one that, I, if I was a fan, I would have wanted out of the group. I think I would have preferred it over Rex Ryan. Um, I, I don't know how real Matt Patricia was, um, but I probably would have preferred it over Matt as well.
2: Yeah, and Matt may end up as a... a- coach on his staff i mean maybe i would i, I don't mind that i just mm. i didn't see coordinator fitness or rex i we all love i would have loved his thursday pressers selfishly yeah. just he's been out of <laughs> the game been for, fun. Seven, he's been out of the game for seven years the game's changed a lot in seven years and is he that. At, at that age i mean because he's been when you're out seven years and sean payton is not easy to work for is he willing to put in 18 hours and obviously vance is vance is all I, in
3: i agree with that. Yeah.
2: And so we'll see where it goes from there. Last uh, last thing, combine. What are you looking forward to most? I know you do a lot of great work there. We usually go for a couple days because it's so Denver Broncos centric. What are you looking forward to with the combine with your assignment?
3: I want to see Bryce Young's weigh in. That's what I want to see. I mean, I (laughs) got a chance. One (laughs) seventy two. Yeah, I got a chance to hang out with Bryce in Tuscaloosa last off season a little bit. Uh, See him throw, uh, talk to him a little bit, and uh, it was in shorts and a t shirt. And I was like, whew. I mean, Russ is not tall. Kyler Murray is not tall. Those guys are thick. Uh, Bryce Young is anything but. Uh, I think he's a winner. I think he throws a great ball. I think his pocket presence is out of this world. I think he is a great player. I'm terrified of the size. Now, my understanding is there is a chance he could get to 200 pounds. I find that to be crazy uh, from looking at him uh, when I was down there. But he's not doing anything other than weighing in. So, go get huge, I guess, for the combine. Uh, and then you're never going to weigh in again, probably for the rest of your NFL career. But um, I, I obviously, all eyes for us are on the quarterbacks that are at the top of this draft and what's going to happen with him and and CJ Stroud and Will Levis and, and kind of how the dominoes are going to fall in that aspect. But also the main thing, I'll be honest, I spend very little time listening to the players talk. Uh, I spend most of my time at night. Uh, bouncing around and trying to see what deals are going to get done. Like Draymond's deal is going to be a discussion point um, a lot during the combine, a lot of other guys deals. So it's actually that aspect of it is more of my focus as opposed to the actual drafting uh, side of things.
2: Well, folks, if you don't watch James on NFL network, you're missing out. He does amazing work. Some with the Broncos. Unfortunately, with much, many other teams, because the Broncos like, struggled to stay relevant uh, for long stretches. But with Sean Payton, you know, at I mean, least it feels, it feels different. You know, We'll see. It's certainly different. It does. With a lot does. Head coaches in resume alone. So it feels like this has a, a chance, a puncher's I, chance to
3: get it back on track. One more thing, Troy, because I'm curious with you saying that, that made me think of something. Like, don't you think uh, there's just the appearance that there's not going to be another head coaching search in a while? In Denver. No matter what happened. No, I'm serious. No matter what happens with with Russ, whether he can fix him or not, it just has the appearance with Sean's resume, the money they gave him. Um, and just the what you know about Sean Payton is just like this is gonna be the Broncos head coach for a while. I, I just think it, it has that feel to it, as opposed to some of the other hires where you're going, they took a chance, let's see.
2: Yeah. I would think minimum four years, and four to five. I mean, that's essentially the contract. But hey, unless, that's an eternity
3: for the Broncos right now. I was going right?
2: to say, <laughs> as I joke, we have like the annual Broncos coaching search. Like it's the turkey trout. You do it every year. It's yeah. like, it's, yeah. it was fun the first couple of years. <laughs> Doing yeah. it this year, I was like, really? I would much rather be covering the postseason. <laughs>
3: exactly. You You have like teams like the Chiefs that are literally changing position coaches from one position to another just to keep them motivated. <laughs> like you took they went and made Greg Lewis the receiver coach the running back coach this year. They made Brendan Daly their D line coach the linebackers coach just because like have some new challenges on the staff. Like that's that's a completely different world that I hope the Broncos live in soon.
2: Yeah, I mean it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, James. You're the best, James. I can't wait to see you out in Indy Travel Safely, my friend. And too, I look like. forward to talking some football with you and maybe even talking a little baseball. Your Phillies hey, are gonna
3: be good this year. They're gonna be money, man.
2: Let's go. <laughs> All right. See you, James. See you. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that
1: visit with James Palmer. He is fantastic. You can check out his work on NFL Network. Find him on Twitter, James Palmer. TV. I mean, he's just really good at what he's done. He's covered the NFL for a number of years now, and he's just—he's a solid reporter, terrific writer. He's old school in many ways. His dad's been in uh, the media for years in baseball. I mean, James just gets it. Uh, I love love chopping it up with him because of that. He is uh, fantastic at what he does. So, I will be heading, as we said at the end of that interview, to the combine i will fly out monday the hope is we will talk with george payton and sean payton on tuesday hopefully tuesday morning then i'll turn a pot around for you folks uh, you guys have been the best. Again, the numbers of the pod have exploded, and that's a total credit to you. If you haven't downloaded or subscribed, please do. Tell folks they can find two podcasts a week. I'm always going to have uh, two, even during the off season. Try to get a guest, uh, at least one pod per week, if not two, either a media member, former uh, player, current player. Try to do that, all that for you because you guys make it worth it. I could not do this pod without my sponsors, Superbook Sports. Blake Street Tavern, Hoggett Injury Law, and Mile High Sports, my man Nate Lundy, who is producing these pods with my son Dagan uh, at spring training with the Giants now. So he needs to break from the pod (laughs) being a producer because he's got some baseball work to do. But folks, I can't tell you how much how I appreciate you guys listening. It, It means a lot. I do this pod for you, Broncos country. Happiness that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day.